Christ is risen. Hallelujah. You're all very welcome here this morning, joining with us for our uh, Easter Sunday celebration. Uh, I've had chocolate and coffee for breakfast this morning, and that's it. I'm sure many of us are in the same boat, hopefully. And as we gather together, after a busy week of church activities, we gather together as one church family in celebration of joy this morning. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The reading is Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 1, and it's entitled The Resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Easter Day, um, and that comes with it all kinds of um, connotations, all kinds uh, of images of what it is that we believe uh, Easter Day to be about. And um, we've already kind of explored that a little bit with the kids, um, but we also carry lots of, we've already said, lots of traditions into these moments. And um, what it is that I done as a child growing up, um, you carry sometimes on into the family that you are now uh, rearing yourself. Um, my kids love the fact that the Easter eggs have to sit there and they have to look at them. Uh, for weeks on the end before they get um, to eat them. Absolutely love it. Um, but it's, it teaches patience, or so I say. Um, so Easter comes with all of these kinds of stories, if you like, all these kinds of traditions that we might have built up. Uh, but we have to remember as we step into this story again today that actually there was no tradition on this first Easter Sunday. This was all completely new. This was a place of darkness and of newness uh, for them. They were desolate. They were saddened whenever they approached the tomb, uh, unbelieving, as it says in the passage, actually. Um, so let's pray as we enter into this part of the story that for many of us we know so familiar, but actually we enter afresh today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your presence with us brings power and truth and so by your spirit today, may it be your words and not my words that speak truth into your being 
and illuminates the truth from this passage for our hearts and for our lives this day we pray in Jesus name amen <clears throat> so Jesus has been tried uh, killed on a cross crucified uh, an awful death the sadness that those disciples would have felt in that moment we can somewhat only kind of try to express in one sense because we look back on all of the events of Easter with that hindsight of knowing the ending before we get to it. But into that sadness and that desolation, into that moment of that darkness of the Friday evening and the Saturday, that moment where they thought everything had been lost, and I'm sure they were wondering, why? What, 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 what was that all about? What did we leave all of our homes and our families for over the last number of years to follow this guy? Sure, he's and gone now. But we know that in the background, God was working His eternal purpose, His plan. Isn't that true? So often we can't see that happen as we find ourselves in those places of darkness and desolation. We look around us and we think that there is no hope, that there is those moments where everything is a moment of despair and where we can't see the end of the tunnel. And we wonder how we're ever going to get there. But yet in this moment, it speaks to our moments that God is working. God is working behind the scenes in His sovereignty. God is working behind the scenes in His perfect will to ensure that the purposes that He has carved out from before the dawn of time will come to be. And we're a part of that. As Easter people, we are a part of that. And so on this first day of the week, very early in the morning, Luke's account tells us that the woman took the spices and had prepared and went to the tomb. But they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb whenever they entered, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, it's okay with hindsight to look back and say, well, had they not been listening to Jesus? Jesus had already explained he was going to die and rise again. But yet in the moment where they could possibly see the chink of light thinking this, this is true, this is what's about to happen. In fact, it has happened. They began wondering because they felt even sadder that the body was now missing. And while they were wondering about this, Luke tells us that suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? That's the first verse that I want to draw out of us today or for us today. Why do we look for the living amongst the dead? Are we looking for Jesus in the right place? Let me phrase that a different way. Are we looking for peace and contentment in the right place? The world tells us that we should look for all of those things that we desire in anywhere but in Jesus Christ. We will find fulfillment if only we have a bigger house, if only we get that more expensive car, if only we can rise up the career ladder, we will get to that point where we can sit back and go, ah, oh. or maybe that comes whenever we're retired, and if we don't have to get up early every morning, 
but we still do anyway. And so actually, those desires to find that peace and that contentment, we often, as we know, and we've heard many preachers before say, we're looking for that in the wrong place. But I want to be more specific in that question today. I want to ask, where are you looking for Jesus today? Are you looking for the fulfillment that only he can bring? In the fact that you come to church every Sunday, in the fact that you're a part of a body of believers, in the fact that somewhere within you there's a, an element of faith, a, a dormancy to the faith that you once had, uh, you're clinging on to? Are you looking for Jesus in the place that he is today? As our risen Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords, supreme and sovereign at the right hand of God, Because if we look for Jesus in any other place, then we will only ever find the image of Jesus that we're expecting to find. But in looking to the one who is not created by human hands, fashioned out of wood or stone, to sit on a mantelpiece and be adorned today, by looking for the risen Savior, the one who defeats death and sin, and the one who has victory over everything, Looking for him in the right place means that all those other things fall into place. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be crucified, and on the third day raised again, raised again. And then they remembered his words. Maybe today, maybe this Easter Sunday, with a familiar story, with familiar words, just like these women on that first Easter, maybe today we'll be a little prod, a little poke, to allow you to remember your Savior. To remember that explanation, once it's explained again, refreshed in our heads and in our minds and in our hearts. And then we leave this place. We come before the Lord's table today with thankful and grateful hearts because we've remembered exactly who He is and all that He has done for us. Verse 9 tells us that when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told, them, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them to be like nonsense. Live in a house. We three women, I would never, ever declare that a lady's words are nonsense. Other versions say it seemed to them like an idle story. In other words, even the ones who should have known best, his closest friends on earth, couldn't quite believe that it had happened.
So how do you approach the truth of the Easter story today? How do you approach the fact that Jesus died and rose again and has ascended for you? Because to the world around us, to many in the community who lives in the houses around us, this is simply an idle story. It's not one that they choose to believe or that they want to believe. And we can tell it over and over again. But we know from the pages of Scripture and from the history of the church that the way other people see Jesus is through us. It's through our words, our actions, it's how we live our lives. It's how we show people that this this life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the truth that he brings hope and life and all of the rest of that expectation into us, the way we live that shows other people that it is not an idle story. The joy that we contain within us bubbles out and over so that other people ask questions. Even whenever things are hard for you, why do you still Smile, why are you still, in a sense, joyful? Not that ecstatic happiness, but why are you able to continue to continue? We show that this is not an idle story by living out the truth of the story in our lives. So how are you getting on with that? How are you getting on with living out the truth of this story in your life? At school, at work, in your family, with your neighbours, in the shops. Preachers included as he asks that question. How are we getting on individually by living out the truth of the story of Easter? And how are we getting on collectively as a church doing that in this community? Seeing his hands and his feet, his eyes and his ears. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter's often known as the disciple who jumps in with both feet first, isn't he? Whenever Peter heard that the possibility that Jesus wasn't there, he ran. Even with all of his doubts and the mixture of emotions that have been going on within him, because he's still wondering whenever he sees the empty tomb, he's still wondering what exactly is going on, but he didn't hesitate. He didn't err on the side of caution. He erred on the side of connection. And the men will know that phrase from the last of our men's evening with Andy Lamberton whenever he was here speaking about leaving a legacy. He encouraged us not to err on the side of caution, but to err on the side of connection. That whenever we go, oh, maybe, mm, mm, not 
sure, might not. Rather than taking a step back, we should take a step forward and think, there's a connection to be made in this moment. And that's Jesus' invitation for each one of us today. He wants us to err on the side of connection and to take another step on the journey with him. And for each of us, that will probably be a different step in a different way on a slightly different journey. But all with the same destination and with the same purpose. I pray that this Easter, in the familiarity and the traditions of all that we have, that the freshness of the Easter story, the hope that is contained within it, will inspire each of us to err on the side of connection with Jesus and with one another. Just one more step. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present and with us. That your presence brings truth and healing and brings so much more. In fact, as your word teaches us, it brings us so much more than we can even expect or anticipate. So in this moment, as we lay bare before you, all those things that we bring to the foot of your cross, we do so thankful and grateful that you are alive and present with us. Give us strength to take one more step on the journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. But we finish with that verse that we read earlier. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And with the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless upon each one of us this day and forevermore.